run. Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. I've been a bit sporadic recently due to the usual COVID cancellations, but this episode makes up for that. It's a bumper one talking to two ultra runners who've just smashed their goals this year already. Kerry's completed the South Downsway 50 as part of the Centurion 50 mile slam and Helen's galloped around the 10th past 100 for a fifth place finish. As you might have noted, both of the guests this week are women and we talk about what it is that drew them to running ultras and the possible reasons why others don't tend to move up in the distances. Kerry, as usual, is so cheerful she makes running 50 miles seem like enormous fun and I kind of wonder what I'm missing because I seem to just look like a miserable ass for most of my ultras but maybe that's just me. Both of the runners have recently taken on coaches and they talk about the benefits that having a more structured approach brings to their training. Helen is coached by Gary House of Runstrong, who you've most seen on Facebook and other social media. He's a very straight talking uh, man and makes some really genuinely funny videos and posts, a lot of them taking the piss out of running and runners in general, and are certainly worth a look. Kerry is coached by Adam at Greenlight PT, traditionally more of a triathlon coach. He's certainly proven he knows his stuff on longer distance running, judging by how well Kerry got on at South Downs Way. Only recently during the Christmas catch-up show, noted quite how many runners had coaches, and I feel like I've missed a trick all these years. I've kind of gone it alone and basically bounced from one race to another, hoping not to die in my attempts. Speaking of attempts, my most recent running escapade was my second go at the 10th past 100 last weekend. Where I decided to ignore pretty sporadic training and a bit of lack of motivation and have a go. I won't go into too much detail as I'm doing a special podcast on DNFs, but suffice to say, it didn't go brilliantly and I didn't get a buckle. On the plus side for me, the miles I did get seem to have been a perfect training run and I've run better this last week than I have all year. I think I finally put those sort of January, February injuries to bed. Elsewhere in the running world, we've had more postponements and cancellations and it's looking doubtful for any large scale running events until autumn at least. I'm still down for London Marathon in October, but at the minute I wouldn't really bet money on it going ahead. Smaller events, though, do seem to be the way forward. And as we've seen with uh, Centurion events and a few others actually are taking place and seem to be doing really good COVID control measures. Unfortunately, a lot of people like myself have got races delayed or postponed from either earlier in the year or last year. And we're starting to get into city season shortly with them all clashing. One weekend, I think in early June, I've currently got three races scheduled due to things being put back and postponed. How many of them will actually take place is anyone's guess, and how many of them will actually be able to run is also a bit of a guess. Of course, most of the disruption is caused by COVID, which should be controlled a bit by the vaccine rollout. I would say a word of caution when you get to having your vaccine is I'd recommend binning off any running that day and the following day, judging by quite how much I struggled on a short run the same day as my jab and Ewan struggled similarly the day after he had his. So yes, yeah, best idea just to assume you're not going to do any running those two days. You should be mostly okay by the second day, but again, I wouldn't really schedule any PB attempts or key races for that. So try and plan your races and your COVID jabs around each other. Anyway, enough with waffling. Let's talk to Helen and find out how she beat me at both the rows of the Shires 54 and the 10th past 100 and made it all look very, very easy. Joining me now is Helen, who's here to talk about running as a female, about the 10th past 100, and why you might need a coach if you're looking to do ultra. So thanks for coming, Helen. Hi, thanks for having me on. Cool. So, um... Just a bit of an introduction then, can you tell us sort of about yourself, how you got into running and uh, why you ended up running ultras, I guess? Okay, yeah, okay. Well, it's a, it's a bit of a sad story, really, why, why I got into running. Um, <clears throat> when, I moved, when I moved to Warwick and met my husband, I'd sort of realised after a little while that 
didn't actually know anyone or have any friends. <laughs> so, yeah, just a bit of a sad story. So, um, yeah, so I joined, a, it was actually called the Women's Running Network at the time. Um, so I joined the Women's Running Network and sort of, you know, used, used to meet a couple of times a week and do four or five or six miles and just sort of made friends stopped really and really enjoyed it. And then um, it went from there. And at the, in those days, it was really go and do a four or five or six mile run and then go to the pub for a couple of hours afterwards. Good, yeah. So yeah, so it was a much more of a social thing. Um, and then I decided after having my daughter that I'd, you know, try actually and maybe actually do some races. So I started doing half marathons and then decided for my 40th I'd want to do an ultra. I don't really know why, it just got in my head and then thought I'd better do some marathons or something so I can, so I might, you know, might stand a chance of doing it. So that was it. It's just evolved from being a sad, lonely person with no friends. <laughs> So yeah, you went all through the the you know the the uh, distances where you talk to people and end up doing ultras where you end up alone in a field with just a cow for hours on end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to Thames Path that you just done, then what was your sort of biggest achievement in terms of ultras? I think actually the first one that I did, which funnily enough was along the Thames Path, and it was um, from Putney Bridge to Henley. So it was 100k and I, I ran that, that and that was the ultra actually that I chose to do sort of for my 40th birthday and started, I had no expectations at all. I just decided I would run for as long as I could um, before I had to start walking. And by halfway, uh, my sister was there with me and she said to me, um, do you want to know where you are? in terms and I was actually sitting down eating lunch I mean it was like <laughs> big pasta and a bit of cake and um and I said yeah go on then because I won't be able to keep that pace up and she said you're 27th and I said 27th female no you're 27th overall <laughs> so I literally threw my fork down and said I'm going <laughs> <laughs> competitive <laughs> yeah and um and I finished it. I, I think I finished in 13th place and I just, I, I was third lady. And then um, I got, somebody snuck me um, just about two or three miles before the end. But the last five, this is where experience comes in because the last five miles were really, really hard. I felt really sick. I must have really dehydrated and not taken enough salts on. In fact, I didn't even know probably then that you needed to take salts on and felt really sick and the last five miles were like running the whole thing all over again no. and I, look, I looked around and I saw I could see her coming and she just looked really strong but she was looked like she was miles away in the distance and I just knew then that she was she was going to get me but I, I felt so bad I didn't really care <laughs> Well, it's still a, a damn good finish position for your first. It, it was, it, I mean, you know, it's the old thing. You can only race who turns up, but mm. it was 11 and 62 miles in 11 and a half hours. And it, you know, it actually really enjoyed it and thought, you know, I might actually be all right at this, this, this longer stuff. Sort yeah. of, you know, fairly efficient, quite like plodding along. And, um, and so, Again, it evolves. You're always looking for something a bit longer or a bit harder, aren't you? Yeah, unfortunately. You're always yeah. looking for something to get that bath, aren't you? It ends up uh, <laughs> taking over your life a bit. So, um, obviously, as we said, you are uh, indeed a woman. So, you're slightly on a sort of niche in terms of running. I'm saying half marathon is often sort of 50 50 split. But certainly as distances increase, the participation drops and the 10 past 100 we just looked at. I didn't actually check starters, but in terms of finishers, only 14% female. So I suppose other women, what attracts you to ultras and why do you think other women don't? Are they just more sensible? Uh, maybe. More <laughs> sensible. <laughs> it's quite hard to answer that because I'm, I'm quite selfish with my priorities and running mm. so I actually 
I say that I am I am quite selfish, but I make time for it. So often I'll sacrifice sleep by getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning to go to go and do a long run so that I'm actually back at a reasonable time. So, you know, still spend the day with the family, although I must admit, I I think I hide it quite well. I tend to like spend the day feeling like a zombie because (laughs) I actually just want to go to bed. I know the feeling quite well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, you know, it is, it is difficult when you've got families and children and, and other responsibilities. Um, you know, running is the only thing I do. I think I'd feel pretty guilty about, um, you know, having another hobby as well. I mean, I can't swim really at all. And I'd quite like to learn to swim. But then I think, well, you know, that would be another time when I'm out of the house quite a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What sort of mileage are you doing a week normally when you're not specifically focused on a big ultra? Well, if I had my way, I'd probably try and do, not you know, just a normal week, about um, 40 or 50 miles a week. But um, Gary House, my coach, would probably try to get us to stick around 35. Okay. I mean, that's still, you know, unless you're, yeah really really quick that is still quite a good few hours to fit in in the week isn't it it is and you know and again I'm lucky at home whereas my husband um he's more of an evening person and I'm definitely more of a morning person we're total opposite mm. so I can get up easily go running be back get the you know we sort the kids out get the kids to school and he does what he wants to do in the evening so you know it works well, well like that yeah and something that people might wonder about, particularly, well, for any runners, but particularly women are often, you know, taught from an early age, don't go out when it's dark, don't go on your own, etc. How do you manage to go out at sort of four or five in the morning and not feel um, nervous? No, I don't. I always feel, I always feel pretty safe. But somebody knows where I am. Well, James knows, you know, James will know where I am, roughly what time I'm going, you know, I'm going to be back. I've, got my got my phone on me I do have friends that you know uh will go out with me at that time I don't know how I've managed to meet these people (laughs) (laughs) so and actually I do do things I live in a town so um I probably wouldn't go trail running at four or five o'clock in the morning and you know I can pick a loop that I would do two or three times if if I had to okay that's a sensible way of doing it yeah. So, I mean, is there anything you think that people could do to kind of encourage more women to run in ultras or are you just kind of sort of lead by example? You go to your running club and try and force them all to do more than six miles? No, not, no. <laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah and no. Um, I think um, I, the thing is about ultra running is I, you've really got to want to do it as well. So, you know, particularly with, when it gets hard, when you've got a lot of vertical or a long, long distance to go, you've got to really, really want to do it and you've got to really, really want to finish it. And a lot of women I talk to or run with are actually just really, really happy running on, you know, on more of a social basis. Like you said, yeah. it, you know, I, I think sometimes at the end of the month, oh, I haven't been out with that many people this month. And, you know, and then I'll start to make arrangements to go out running with friends because you do end up doing a lot of what I call lonely miles. Yeah. On your own, you know, it's me sad and lonely getting no friends. It's also the pace, isn't it? If you've got a long sort of 20, 30 mile run, you'll probably run at a pace a lot slower than people want to run if they're just doing 10 yeah. for a Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we were just talking earlier then about you mentioned you've got a coach. So were you coached before, or was this something you've, you've sort of taken up recently? And why, something I, I took. Something I took up recently, actually. Um, so you're just sort of winging it yourself before that, or yeah, at the back of runners world, or yeah, I was ring, I was winging it myself by just doing loads, loads and loads of miles. Um, a scientific <laughs> approach. Yeah. <laughs> um. And Gary is sort of, he's on the ultra scene, really, you know, mm. he, does, he does do some tough and longer stuff. 
and I, you know, I knew that he coached. He's very reasonably priced as well, actually. Um, so I just thought I'd, you know, I'd try it. I'd see how I got on with him. And he's great. He's got, he's just so anti-bullshit everything. You can ask him anything and get a really straight answer. <laughs> I was going to say, because he's quite big on the sort of piss-takey stuff, isn't he, on social media, the kind of fads. Well, that, that's the other thing. He's just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like that all the time. But so. whereas most coaches are like, oh, you need to get yourself a foam roll and stuff, he's very much like, you know, stick it in the bin and just yeah. know, have a bath. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's real. It makes it more real and it makes it makes it more realistic. So what I like about having a coach now is that um, there's a lot more interval tempo sessions built in. And, you know, you're allowed to I say you're allowed to. I don't think he, he would really be bothered, but you're you can do as many easy stroke recovery runs per week as you want. So if you want to build your miles up, you can just go and do those as easy runs and do his sort of hill interval strides you know all those all those sorts of sessions um and it gives it some structure and also i'm quite lazy at things like that i wouldn't do intervals if someone hadn't written it down for me and said that's what i was going to say that the kind of main difference it stops you just doing yeah six runs a week at leisurely pace and not getting better yeah yeah and i'm quite sort of a bit square as well so if uh, it's like it's, it's like he's the teacher giving me my work to do and I sort of hand it in at the end of the week. <laughs> That's accountability, I think, is the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the technical word for coaching, isn't it? And is it uh, just sort of running base or does he subscribe kind of cross-training, cardio, stretching, etc.? Uh, he does actually um, do run a strength workshop that you do over Zoom and Pilates... Uh, he doesn't do the Pilates himself. There's a Pilates teacher that does the Pilates workshop over Zoom that you can dip in and out of those because they're recorded as well. So you can get the sessions, but he doesn't do any other sort of cross training. But I do do cross training myself. So um, I'll do a couple of Zoom classes a week now, which I really enjoyed, which sort of came out through lockdown. Mm. And I do some um some strength work and um i do like some plyomet a plyometric workout a couple of times a week as well on fitbox so fitbox so yeah so yeah so i, I you know quite i mix it up quite a lot really so we, we, did you get gary then specifically for 10 path or just for the kind of the course of this year to generally no specifically for Thames path last year but it was obviously it didn't happen when it was supposed to happen actually i was in for the slam and um oh, yeah well i cancelled them all in the end <laughs> just because it was everything was so up in the air and then when they were rescheduling them centurion couldn't help it but the dates seemed quite close together and yeah. i was looking at some of them thinking oh these are you know i'm going to do one of these and the rest of them are just going to be a death march to the end you know from um and i chatted to gary about it actually and and he said how bothered are you if you don't do it and actually just said to him i'm not bothered at all <laughs> <laughs> and so he said well you've just answered your, you've just answered your own question there isn't a conundrum there um so yeah, so it really, it really was, it really was for that. And then obviously, you know, he did my plan for me um, leading up to Thames Path last week. So, cool. and how so was that sort of a sixteen-week plan or more of a progression of what we already had? It, it was a progression of what we'd already got. Yeah, so it, it really was everything that I was already doing, um, all the interval sessions and training sessions, and the sort of the easy long run got longer and longer how long did that tend to get then just because people always need to or want to know don't they for 100 mile how far are you meant to be running before well i think the most he put on the plan was three and a half hours um but actually um what i did end up doing was the centurion 600 miles then you know between february and uh, the end of march yeah um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I, I I chose to do, not actually knowing if Thames 
path was taking place or not. And then oh, yeah, back then it was all a bit up in the air still. Yeah, there, and, so. and it was roughly about halfway through that they said it was going ahead or maybe a little bit longer than that. And I was like, well, that's great. You know, I've, I've, I've managed to do all these, I've managed to do all these miles and now it's actually worth something. So. And uh, I know that you managed to fit in a, at least one race in the run-up as well. Were there any other ones or was it? No, it was just that one. And actually, I had a place off a friend who um, was doing Sad Dan's Way 50 that got rescheduled. So I they decided... Like the following week, didn't Yeah, they? so I only decided on the Wednesday, actually, before the race to do it. And that was the Rose of the Shire 54, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Where you been? <laughs> it was cold, wasn't it? Was it was freezing. <laughs> yeah, I decided, oh uh, yeah, sense of humour failure towards the end of that. And my training's not been quite as good as yours, so that was, uh, I think I did more miles that day than in the whole of February, which isn't the best training yeah. approach. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it was, it was like, um, it was a race of two halves that, it was very strange, I, I couldn't settle into it at all, it took me literally 15 or 20 miles, I think, before I started to feel like, you know, comfortable, and then yeah. once I got the swing of it, it was fine, I don't know whether it was because... I was running along thinking, I really hate this. Yeah, but uh, but and then I, I kept thinking to myself, but we should all be so grateful that we're here, you know, yeah. because sort of like the first race again. And I was just like, nah. <laughs> I think the weather um, certainly didn't help last. No, the weather didn't help. Two years ago and it was on a nice cold but sunny day in March yeah. and it was, yeah, lovely. It was very windy, wasn't it? Yeah, um, ridiculous. But no, once I, got, once I got into the swing of it, it, it was good. It was okay. So that, what did you get on that? About 11 hours or something? 11 hours, I think, yeah. Was that a good, was, was that sort of what you're aiming for? Or was it just to suck it and see as the training No, was? I wasn't aiming for anything. I literally wanted to just, I, I knew that weekend I was going to have to run 50 miles, which I probably would have split over two days, but it just meant that I was doing it you know, in an event, getting it done out of the way. And get a nice medal out of it. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty Excellent. impressed as well with their sort of COVID um, procedures that they put in place. Yeah, it did all seem very safe and clean, didn't it? And everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the problem with all these races, though, with Centurion, the amount of uh, waste that you now generate after years of the trail runner of trying not to create any plastic waste and there isn't really a way at the minute of not having no, quite a lot of no. plastic in your pockets at the end of the race yeah, unfortunate but i suppose we'll get there eventually i'm not sure we'll ever quite get back to the massive bowls of peanuts and people sticking snotty hands in it hopefully <laughs> that <laughs> no. might be one good thing of covid it might yeah, have it off. <laughs> <laughs> so between that and then Thames bath hundred we just sort of keep the miles up and and then tapering, yeah. I suppose, a couple of weeks out. Yeah, did a couple of more long runs over a couple of weekends with some friends, and that was it. Um, yeah. Had a massive, like, com confidence crisis about two weeks before the race. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it, won't be able to do it, it's too far, can't do it. I'm, I'm rubbish at running, you know, all of that. But got that out of the way and managed to go into it sort of like I normally do, like, just blocking it out quite yeah. relaxed but you know blocking out blocking out what was about to happen it's often the best way isn't it just to yeah. Yeah, worry about the things you can control and not think about yeah. quite how ridiculously far it is <laughs> did you have a goal then at 10th past time goal or were you just aiming to feel no, good I, had and a, I had a goal i had um i had in my head that i might if i if i spent less time in aid stations and faffed less i'm a terrible faffer anyone who knows me knows i'm a terrible faffer in fact like the start of the race walking up when james said you have to get there and you have to be ready to go i thought mm -mm, that's not me <laughs> <laughs> how, am I, how am i going to do that <laughs> yeah well there's no there was no congregating inside or anything was there no, it, no. It, enormous centurion stuff you do like you say go in a big hall and chat and faff and yeah your shoes up or whatever and yeah take it slowly yes but so i thought if i if i fast less i might be able to get um 23 hours so the goal was 23 hours and the second goal was um sort of under 24 hours and then really 
to finish it. And then my sort of fourth goal was even if you get timed out, you know, just just finish it, just do it. So, yeah, so, I've, I, you know, it was, I don't really know if I thought along the way if I was going to get 23 hours or not. It's quite a tricky race. I've got a plan. I've printed it out. I've laminated it where I needed to be at, like at each checkpoint. And some of the checkpoints have moved a little bit. So it was a bit yeah. difficult to gauge distance i think i used it for two checkpoints and then i just put it in my pocket and i never looked at it again <laughs> yeah i had a similar little yeah, check sheet and we kept coming yeah. up about a, a mile over every checkpoint wasn't it so it's a bit yeah so in terms of pacing were you um obviously i bumped into you in the race around 30 miles i think you were doing a run nine walk one approach with spencer and stuart was that what you planned to do or did you sort of fall into them out of i just fell into that actually i'd planned to do um seven two and that's what i'd practiced on uh mm. a couple of weeks leading up to the race that i'd run seven walk two when i sort of caught up with them they were doing nine one which i thought well you know that's okay so i stuck with them i, I don't know how long we were together really i think about 20 miles actually mm. um so stuck stuck with them for a bit and then i ended up being crude which again was very short notice for the first 50 miles so i did lose them a couple of times um because they obviously carried on when i was getting stuff at the crew point and I think the sort of the third time I was just, you know, I'm too tired now. It's sort of nearly at 50 miles and I'm not going to break my neck to catch up with them. So I just sort of went into my own run walk strategy and caught them up eventually. <laughs> Did you were halfway around 11 hours, were you? Because you were just a bit up on me, I think. So I can't remember exactly. Remember actually where I was. It, yeah, it was about, it was some nearly eleven hours, I think. But I got into Henley at fifty three, I think. I had on my watch. Yeah, it was definitely kind of a bit long, wasn't it? Yeah. Considering the GPX route that we were all sent was about ninety nine point seven or something. What did you finish on distance wise, actually? Well, actually, my Garmin ran out. <laughs> <laughs> the ones with Garmin. Yeah, 101.5 miles. So oh, if you look you on Strava, it says it's 101.5. Um, but I wasn't actually bothered by then because I'd already clocked 100 and I knew that I'd get the official time. Yeah. I think I was about three quarters of a mile from the end. Yeah, it certainly can have a bit long. One of my mates was doing it his first 100 and he was just like, it better actually read 100 at the end or I'm going to have to round up. Yeah, uh, well, when I did it the year before, uh, I think I finished on 104 something. <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. I ran out of uh, Clifton with Spencer and uh, and the, uh, Lauren, who was pacing us, and I just couldn't speak for about 20 minutes because I'd already got 90 miles on my watch, and <laughs> and I knew <laughs> it was fit, like about 15 miles to the end, and I, I just I just was absolutely fuming. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why James gets showered at quite a lot of the yeah. end, isn't it? Look at my watch, it says 102. Yeah. <laughs> when did you know then during the race that you were going to get um, a good result? We haven't given away your fight finish time yet, but you did, yeah. How, when, what point did you realise it's going well or were you always intent to hook? I think actually it was uh, after, uh, sort of around, when we came out of Goring, um, I spoke to my husband and he couldn't, he was like, wow, you're, you're out of Goring already. Um, and then I think from then on, I knew that it, if I carried on at, at how I was going, I, I was going to get, well, at least achieve my goal of 23 like hours. 70 something, isn't it, Goring? I can't yeah. remember that, though. So you've yeah. got 30 miles left. What I wasn't banking on was were the mud that came about sort of 10 miles before the end. Oh, it was, you just couldn't run on it. It was just, and it was really it was that really slippy mud you know yeah the stuff um, that no trail shoes can really do much with you, yeah unless you've yeah. got cross-country spikes then you know, it's not a lot no and my head torch started to fail as well and my spare <laughs> wasn't very good so that, that i was getting in a real grump about that um just frustration yeah that was the tantrum around about then poor lauren 
Um, so yeah, but I think I knew that if I, if I kept pushing, I'd get I'd get around twenty three hours. I wasn't actually expecting to get under that, and uh, I was quite surprised when I saw the time. What was your finish time? Think we're not giving it away yet. Twenty three thirty no twenty two thirty six. So nicely yeah. under the twenty three then. Yeah. yeah. For a slightly long course as well. Yeah, yeah, very happy. <laughs> if I'd have been the right length, you might have been under 22. Yeah, if I hadn't stopped and had a cup of tea with Brian for three minutes, I might have oh, been. There you go. Yeah. He's cast, we'll, we'll tell Brian he cast you the sub 22. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, um, did you keep the kind of same timings then, even when you kind of death march at the end, or did it all sort of fall apart and you run when you can? It, it felt like it was falling apart, but it's a bit like that, isn't it? In the yeah. early hours, <laughs> in the early hours of the morning, um, or it can be. I knew I was quite generous with the pace at, on the timings, sort of around 17 minute miles. And I was some of the miles we were hitting that, some of them we were under it. So I just sort of in my head, I was like, no, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. For anyone that's like not run much more than a marathon, a 17 minute mile sounds easy, doesn't it? But with 90 plus miles in your legs and climbing over styles and tripping yeah. over badger holes, that's, yeah, that's still pushing i mean somebody like me i there's no way i could just run 100 miles i have to walk I ha, you know i have to have walk breaks but it's it's actually starting to run again from each walk break it takes so much mental strength <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning especially as i, I presume you had a voice in the back of your head pointing out that you you literally could have walked it in the whole way from that point yeah yeah. I mean, you could have walked a fair section and still got 24, but you could have probably yeah. done a mile an hour and still finished before the cutoff. That's right, yeah. But it, but it's that it's that bit, isn't it? Run, run, run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't feel like you're running, just swinging your arms and yeah. going the same pace as your pace. Shuffle, walking. shuffle, shuffle. <laughs> so were you paced the whole way from halfway? Um, from Reading. Reading. Yeah. And, and how I, did that work out? Because being a point to point, it's quite awkward, isn't it, for crew and pacers? It's not. I've got a, I've got a very nice sister who picks me up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, Oxford to Warwick's not actually that far, so it, was, uh... it did feel a little bit like running home. <laughs> I don't know, I, my mum met on Keynes and that still felt a long way from Oxford when I managed to finish the previous time. Yeah. Especially so, I'd, I'd lost my lift on the route. Oh, did you? Yeah, the guy I was running with, well not with, he was too quick for me, but he was, was going to begin my lift home, dropped because he had an early onset renal failure from dehydrating. <laughs> Blimey, that's quite. I spent most of the race going. Hmm, how am I going to get home? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, she picked she picked me up, which um, which was great. She lives in Warwick as well, you know. So it's helpful uh, then. Yeah, so you um, obviously you, you beat your target. Could you think it could have gone better? Did it all go to plan? Was there anything that went particularly badly? Yeah, I think again, I went into. Goring got changed, faffed about there. When I looked at the time I spent in Goring, it was just too long. I think Spencer actually came, I could hear Spencer come in, go, all right, and literally turn around and walk back out again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I, and I, th I just think, um, my head torch failing actually was, I think slowed me down probably by 20 minutes, I reckon. It was really, especially in the wooded area. So, just be i just need to be better prepared for things like that yeah i mean i similar my emergency head torch is that uh petzl emergency run whatever it's called designed for that and yeah it's you wouldn't want to really run with it no it's kind of stops you walking into a tree is about as good yeah yeah and when it's like very muddy and puddly and wet and you know slippy underfoot the last thing you want to do is go over on your ankle and be stuck there exactly you probably wouldn't even bother getting out, would you, at that point? No, just lie down and have a sleep. Uh, this is where I live now. This is the new normal. <laughs> so for anyone that's uh, not done 100 before, because I've got a mate doing the South Downs in a few weeks of his first 100, 
you got any tips in terms of drop boxes, paces, crew, or just sort of mentally dealing with being on your feet for, well, best part of a day or possibly over a day? I think, um, having done a few now, definitely, even if you don't want anything when you get there, use, take advantage of the drop bags and just use them. Even if you pick up the bag and you've at the end of the race and you've not even unzipped it, it you never know, there just might be something in there that you, that you really need. Um, and I think paces, again, if people are offering to pace you, just have them, especially, especially for your first one. And, you know, maybe even have a couple so that you can have sort of 50 to 75 if it works out that way, and then 75 to 100, because actually fresh faces and new people and new conversation, right. it really gives you a boost, doesn't it? And, um, and you've just got to make friends with pain. <laughs> you just got to accept that it's going to hurt and you know just block it out and get on with it and there is always a finish line always another profound point yeah <laughs> there isn't always a finish line if you give up at 70 miles and go home <laughs> well yeah, it is you finished at 70 miles right, there is that yeah. yeah yeah i didn't quite have the race i wanted i just kind of lost motivation to be honest but yeah it's in your head sometimes isn't it like you're saying it's you need to warn yeah it. yeah so after Thames Bath Hundred have you got any sort of other races coming up this year or have you planned the rest of the year off um I've got my eye on Ring of Fire actually I quite fancy doing some multi-day stuff but Which I'm for just... anyone that's not heard of that the Ring of Fire is it's a three-day race around Anglesey. So there's two nights, I say accommodation, it's a communal sleeping in a village hall, I think. Oh. I think in a school one night and in a Five village star, hall. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the other night. Um, I quite fancy doing some multi-day stuff because, of, you know, this, the virtual stuff I've done for Centurion, I've actually really enjoyed going it's quite difficult going out every day doing loads and loads of miles but you know I, I know I can do it I can do that I'm just really waiting to see what happens with Covid actually yeah I guess that's probably with a lot of people I've got quite a few races booked in and it's I can't guarantee any will happen or they might all happen no there's still places at the moment and so I'm just keeping an eye on things I can't I can't see how they could do communal sleeping you know sort of everyone sleeping in um, 180 people or whatever sleeping in a village hall i just just need to wait a plastic to bag each to sleep in or something yeah. <laughs> yeah. or maybe find a local mortuary and you can all sleep in the individual trays yeah push us in exactly. <laughs> be quieter <laughs> do anything else this year then or is that you kind of potentially that's your only big race at the moment at the moment that's it yeah yeah so on a motivation point of view, if you don't have any races coming up, how do you keep yourself motivated? Well, that's where Gary comes in. <laughs> you get shouted at <laughs> by Gary. Yeah, <laughs> because he's, he'll still give me a, a plan of, of sorts, um, which will really just be sort of, you know, getting as fit and strong as possible. Both yeah, for another advantage of a coach, isn't it? They're not yeah. always race focused like we probably would be on our own. No. Okay, if people want to kind of follow your progress and other races, what's your uh, social media contacts? Uh, on Twitter, I'm H underscore is underscore running. Okay. And it's the same on Instagram. Very organised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Mine don't match at all. And also then a little plug, uh, what is Fitbox? Oh, right. Okay, so Fitbox is... Um, it's basically a wooden box. <laughs> so, <laughs> like a coffin? Or? Yeah, well... Needed at it, the end of 100 miles. Yeah, I mean, I, I when the gym... I haven't actually gone back to the gym yet, but um, when the gyms were open, I used to do a lot of weight strength stuff, running sort of focused, and a lot of what I did was on a plyometric box. So step-ups, jumps, things like that. And then when the gyms closed, I thought... 
well, I want to, I don't, you know, I still want to be able to train at home. What could I have at home? Um, and I thought one of those boxes would be really good because I could use it as, you know, almost like as a bench as well for rows and things like that. Anyway, my husband is a furniture maker. That's our business. We we um, make furniture, fitted furniture and stuff. So we're actually fully set up for. Handy. Yeah. <laughs> so he made me one. Um, in fact, it was quite funny. The first one he made me, I totally got the dimensions wrong. And honestly, he couldn't even get it through the front door. <laughs> <laughs> it was a coffin, then. It was a coffin, yeah um yeah but he then he got I got the dimensions right and he, he made me one um and then people started to ask for them and you know so I thought well actually I I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with it here we mm. so we started making them and it, it was really born from lockdown um and we've sold oh, so many fit boxes so so many of them people you know runners love them good to hear then and if people yeah, want to look for themselves there's a website for it or yeah it's just www.fitbox and it's spelled f-i-t-t-b-o-x okay. yeah um but yeah it's been it's been good i mean i've had um some i you must have if you saw the olympic trials you would have seen stephanie davis yeah she's got one that's oh, nice so. flag yeah, so and a few with it to the start line as a nice <laughs> yeah. on screen advertiser. I've got a, there's a few actually, Hayley Carruthers, um, another girl, Helen Davis, who ran, she's an elite runner who ran London Marathon. So there's right. a few, a few elites have got them. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's it was it was really good actually. It, it's it meant that we had something to do during lockdown, yeah. I suppose that's it. A lot of cat businesses were trying to diversify and you kind of almost accidentally diversified. Yeah. No, that's good to hear and a bit of a success story coming out of the, the horror show of lockdown and COVID. Yeah. It? Thank you very much for coming on and yeah, that's been really good to hear about it. Oh, thanks for asking me. It's been I great. enjoyed uh, seeing some of you on <laughs> 10 past 100 <laughs> until you left me for dead, but you know, <laughs> I won't hold it against you. <laughs> Thanks to Helen for coming on talking about the 10th Path 100. And coming up, we've got the bit with Kerry, but I've been a bit bored looking on YouTube and I've got a jingle. Kerry Gold. Right, with me now is Kerry, who's back for her third appearance on the podcast. So she's a regular now, so she'll start getting appearance fees before long. <laughs> Might even get her own jingle, who knows. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast, Kerry. And just do a quick introduction for anyone that hasn't heard the previous ones of how you got into running and what your goals are for this year. So, I'm hi, my name is Kerry. I've been running for about eight years now, I suppose. Um, fancy doing a marathon like most people, I think that's a good target. Liked it, did some more, kept doing them, got a bit addicted, found out there's 100 marathon clubs. I thought, great do that nearly there started doing ultras because marathons became i don't want to say too easy but i was doing them quite frequently so i wanted a harder goal mm. so yeah moved up to ultras do that and so this year your goal is to do the centurion 50 slams that's 450 miles yeah and is that is that your main focus for the year and you're going to do the odd marathon? Are you you're going to try and sort of still fit a fair few in? Because I think, well, pre-COVID you were doing probably, what, 15, 20 a year, it seemed like? Yeah, pre-COVID probably, yeah, 20 average. Um, but now, yeah, the focus is just the 50 slam because I had so many cancellations because of COVID the year before. Mm. It really got me down, to be honest, and I got fed up of rescheduling things and trying to plan things. It wasn't working out. So I was like, right, I've got four races that I could concentrate on and hopefully do well for me. The only other race I've got in between, which was moved from last year's Milton Keynes Marathon. So I will be doing that. And I have nothing else booked in. That's a good bit of focus and a lot different than from your average normal year of, yeah, couple of weeks yeah it's, it's, it's been really um different for me because for the last three four years i have been doing like 15 20 a year and having ultras in between and 
it's a completely different way for me to structure events and and spread out what I'm doing between work and unlike family commitments. So yeah, it's it's new. But and thanks is to that COVID, why you decided to get a coach then, or was that? I mean, prior to having a coach, you were self-taught, I presume, and probably like most of us started with a running club and then just ran lots in attempts to get your marathons logged. Yeah, I got to a point where I could run um, marathon distance comfortably without training, um, even if I'd not like run for three or four weeks. I could I could still run one in a comfortable time. Um, I didn't really want to chase uh, marathon PB time or go for good for age. And without all the big city marathons to do them at, I kind of had lost uh, focus on that goal. It wasn't that fun for me anymore. So doing ultras was like a new challenge. So you'd actually get a coach and do it properly. Well, with the coaching, that came from after all the COVID cancellations because... Everything. I think I had 13 races booked in throughout that year for 2020 and all cancelled apart from the North Downs 100. So I hadn't mm. trained very well for that. <laughs> that didn't go very well. Oh, that's, that's really good to get the longest run to go ahead, yeah. Yeah. Um, and with so, we had so much work. So I work as a nurse. We had so much overtime and so much extra on top of what we normally do. I just lost focus on everything and I, I wanted something back for myself. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I've got these four races booked in. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to get a coach um, and hopefully that's going to motivate me and, and keep me going. And it's something to look forward to and do for myself. Excellent. And you picked green light. What made you pick green light? They're a Milton Keynes based, more of a triathlon type. Yeah, I mean, I know Adam from running, so he's, um, I met him through our club, and he runs across country with us when I was the captain. He's got a fantastic um, setup with Greenlight PT, I've got loads of friends trained him, loads of friends have done massive um, personal bests mm. and achieved so much with him, that I just thought, well, great, I'm going to give him a go, because he always gets good results from people I know I can see them and of course green light I love green it matches my amazing club colours Redway Runners <laughs> favourite colour um, it's a good omen yeah it's a lovely shade of green they picked isn't it yeah. it's smashing <laughs> it looks it doesn't look nice with anything it doesn't really suit anyone but never mind <laughs> When we last spoke, just I think the Christmas catch up, I think you know, you just restarted. So, how has training with a coach gone, and what's the real differences between having a proper coach and just doing what you think you need to do? Um, well, the coach plan so, I had a tailor made plan made for my goal race. So, first in the series of the slam was South Downs 50. Um, so that's what I told Adam, that's what I want to do. When I ran it a couple of years ago, I finished in 10.15. So my goal was sub 10 or PB. So I thought like that's was my target time. He worked out all my plan based on my shifts, um, on what days I do what, what and what, how much time I can have each day. So literally week by week, I've got a plan that I can follow that has how long I'm running for, what I'm doing, what days I do my strength and core sessions. So that kind of thought process is taken away from you. Um, so you don't have to think for yourself, it's there. It's like, that's what I've got to do. You wake up, do it. Um, and it saves you kind of faffing, like, have I got enough mix in there yourself? And I suppose that's what you can kind of do wrong yourself if you try to do your own plans. I mean, I would always do well on my own training plans, but I was always getting the same results. So I thought, well, something's got to change or you're always going to keep getting the same results. So in terms of the running sections, then, is it a bit more kind of intervals and hill training and stuff rather than just plodding at your steady pace? Well, yeah. So there's a lot of different um, intensities of how you approach your runs. And I think because they're so different, it helps you stay completely consistent throughout the weeks. Whereas when I was running myself, I would do a lot of my runs, similar paces, similar distances, similar routes. It was all a bit samey-samey. 
Um, whereas the plan had me doing a lot of zone one runs, which are very slow, deliberately slow. Um, it's quite unusual for me to run that kind of pace. It was really hard at first to deliberately slow down because at some point you're almost walking and you think, gosh, it'd be better walking. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but then when you were coming to your days where you were doing your faster work and zone four stuff, you could do it really well because you're not really tired. Um, towards the end of my training plan, by pure accident, I beat my 5k time during a training run. Nice. So I had this, yeah, 10 minute warm up, and then it was like run 24 minutes zone four and beat my 5k time by over a minute. So I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Something's working. Work, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's the first time I've run under 23 minutes for a 5k ever. So I was like, oh, that's nice. That's a good for Adam then, isn't it? Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you're also doing sort of cross trains, sort of cardio type stuff in that. What does that normally involve? Um, well, it was a lot of strength and core. I already did um, a plyometric session every week with another um, company that I've always done. I've done that for about three years you now. You're allowed to use so two was... at the same time. Is that like cheating, is it? No, you have to not mention them to the other one. <laughs> but Adam built that in because he's like, you've always done it. It's part of what you do. You've got a really good base and and that you're starting from. So he didn't want to change things I already do. So that was added into my program, and then I did an extra set, which he would put in, and then extra sessions of yoga. So that I think that really does help because I do do a lot of strength work on legs, um, and a lot of yoga which helps you stay bendy i suppose yeah something that runners me particularly worth struggle with a bit um the sessions as well so you would do blocks of like three weeks on and then have recovery weeks where you're doing less volume or less load and i think that okay. really helps because you can't train at a high intensity all the time or you're just gonna make yourself uh, subject to injury, I suppose. Yeah. So in terms of, sort of the longer runs, so when you people always ask how far should you be running if you're training for a 50, 100, whatever, what did he have you do? Was it mileage or time-based? or? Um, it was a bit of both. Um, so I did do quite a lot of um, long back-to-back -back runs at weekends. So one day tended to be zone one for either a time or a distance so it might be like run for two hours so it doesn't really matter how far you're going because you're just running to heart rate mm. for two hours um towards the end it was more distance focus so it'd be like 20 miles one day 26 the next day but yeah <laughs> Some nice time out of the house. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're looking at. We've had such a lovely uh, spring as well to enjoy the weather for, and that. Um, yeah, only with you actually. We did have some really good weather, and it's just got progressively worse. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think February at most of my running routes were underwater, so it wasn't so bad being injured because I couldn't run anywhere anyway. So obviously you were trying to peak towards South Downs fifty. So um, how did that go? So race day, very excited. Training went well, apart from one very tiny niggle, which I had to adjust my plan for a few days and like lay off some speed work till it settled. But I went into it very confident on the morning, really excited. Weather was nice for running, and just had a really good run. And it just felt great to have everything come together for once and go exactly how you thought it would, well, that's, which that's, is unusual. <laughs> it's one of those rare occurrences in running. You think that was exactly what I wanted to happen today. So at what point did you know it was Was it literally from the off that it was going well? Because so much can happen in a 50 that you don't want to kind of count your chickens too early, but you also don't want to be spending no, 40 so... miles expecting something to go wrong. <laughs> the, the... First time I ran South Downs 50, I really started aching at mile 40, like things started hurting. Mm. And um, although I finished quite well at that one, I, it, it wasn't comfortable finish. Whereas this time, so I went through half marathon distance comfortably, stayed nice and steady. I was aiming for around five hours for the 
marathon distance and went through I think it's 449 so I was like that's pretty good um estimate and then after that my only plan was just run as hard as you can on anything runnable and hike as fast as you can up every hill and I managed to just maintain quite a good running pace on the bits I could run and ran all the downhills and and yeah just it nothing ached I can remember getting to like 40 plus miles and thinking what why am I not hurting yet what, what's wrong wow <laughs> I, it just, it, I don't have ever not ached for 40 miles and then I started there's that horrible huge hill at the end um as you're climbing up to the trig mm. I can't say I was particularly looking very um excited on that hill to be fair <laughs> But as soon as I saw that trig and you think, right, that's it. It's all downhill and then through town to the track. Yeah. And I was so excited. Um, when I got to the bottom of the big hill, like down the gully, and I looked at my watch, I actually thought I'd um, press pause by accident. Because the time on it, I thought, no, that can't be right. I'm, I'm supposed to be 10 hours and <laughs> this is too fast. And I genuinely thought I'd knocked my watch. I had to look at it and see it was still ticking. So, oh, God, you know. Run, girl, you're actually doing well. <laughs> so what so, time um, did you get in the end then? Because you're not mentioned that yet. Oh, um, 9.22.57. Wow. So I kept saying I get 9.23 and then my friend was like, Kelly, stop rounding up the three seconds. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with that. No, that, I mean, that's a great time. That is. I don't know, I've done it that quick. I didn't intend doing it that quick. I honestly imagined I'd be coming into town and really fighting to get that sub 10 and mm. legging it around the track and I still pushed really hard at the end because I still wanted to get the best I could and I just couldn't believe it I looked at my watch and I was finished I was like I, I yeah I mean that, that's one hell of an advert if you're, hours. yeah <laughs> if you're pushing at the end just because you felt good not because you're trying to be yeah, cut off or something that's the sign it's definitely gone well yeah, I was I was very pleased with myself. I'm not even going to pretend to be like modest <laughs> well about done. that. Yes. <laughs> so I was going to say, could anything have gone better? But it sounds like not really. No, the only thing I did joke at the end because <laughs> James said, "Oh, you look really pleased with yourself." I said, "Yeah." I said, "Actually, I'm starting to think I should have pushed a bit harder a bit sooner because I don't feel." <laughs> I feel like I should be more tired than this. <laughs> and I'm sat here, well, not sat, I was walking around for a bit and ate my hot dogs and was waiting for my friend Jonathan to come in, feeling quite perky. I've never felt perky in the 50 miles, have <laughs> I? <laughs> I am relentlessly quite happy, though, so... You sorry. are, yeah. <laughs> so are you keeping on the coach for the rest of the 50 slam or are you sort of set the kind of yourself in a groove and you're carrying on? Well, the other races, so I've got North Downs 50 in next week, actually, mm. um, in next Saturday. And I ran, the, I technically ran it because I did the 65 miles of the 100. So I've seen the first 50 of that course, but I've never actually ran or officially finished something on that course. Mm. So I don't really mind what I get for that. Although I do have a time in mind because you have to have some kind of focus, otherwise yeah. you just walk and be a bit lazy. So I will push myself a bit. Um, Chilton Wonderland, which is later in the year, never ran. I've not even done anything on the course. So I'm going to spend the summer exploring that and, and yeah, work out a time base for that. Wendover Woods is the last one. I you have seem to have been before. living in Wendover Woods from I, Yeah, because <laughs> we don't really have enough hills right near us. I mean, we've got Aspie Woods, don't we, and Waving. But... There's like two hills in that, really. Yeah, just the two go up and down, they get a bit boring. So Wendover's it's a good crack, um, lovely course. And if I'm running at the end of the year, you might as well get familiar with it. And I'd like to beat my times. It was the first ever 50 I ran. Um, nice easy 50 to start with yeah so I reckon I can beat beat what I did on my first one so that's my plan for those best of luck for that man <laughs> and so in the background I presume you're either still counting towards the 100 marathons so when are you thinking you might get your hundreds or is it literally just out your mind until Covid yeah, settles down you can actually plan stuff it's not really my focus at the moment it'll come because I'm just doing events and it, mm. they'll clock up slowly. I think I'm on 83 at the moment. Um, 
so I, I, I imagine I'll finish at some point next year, but I'm not going to deliberately push for it because it. I will get that goal eventually, but I'm in no hurry to get it. No, I mean, that's a and good think, attitude because there are people on the who seem to be kind of doing them constantly and not ever enjoying them, and it they kind yeah, of immature rather than kind of a nice target. I've, I've always enjoyed my runs, and yeah, I mean, everyone's got different goals for their own reasons, but I just didn't want to chase it for the sake of squashing and stuff and then it not being fun anymore. So I just think of, yeah, different ways I can keep running fun for me and keep changing the goals so it's always something interesting good attitude to have and so for anyone who's looking to do their first 50 have you got any kind of top tips Unlike like the hundreds there's no drop bags etc so you've got to start carrying everything you think you need other than what you can get at the aid station so any top tips um I think definitely when you're doing your longer runs and back to back, start carrying your full kit so you get used to what it actually weighs and how it feels because it is very different to running without a backpack. Um, start using your nutrition that you plan to use on the day. If you can work out what they're going to offer you at the races, start using that, see if you get on with it. Um, and yeah, try and do as much training that is similar to the course you're going to be running on because course-specific training will make it a lot easier. Um, if you're doing a flat ultra, train flat. There's, don't throw in hills if you don't, you're not racing on hills. And equally, if you're running a hilly ultra, don't do all your training on the flat because you're going to be in for a shock. Um, yeah, so you yeah. can take it to win those words. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I was chatting to Helen earlier about uh, the relative sort of low numbers of women because you're going to ultra running, etc. So we did touch on this last time we spoke, but yeah, how well, how do you manage to fit in around life? And do you think there's any barriers to other women doing it? They're just too sensible to want to spend ten hours running up and down the South Downs. Um. Well, I fit into my life because I want to do it. And basically it just comes down to being a little bit selfish. And why not? Because I'm no less important than anybody else in my family. Everyone's got their own things they want to do. And if that's what I want to do, then yeah, I'm pretty much doing. Just saying, well, I'm sorry, this weekend I'm running 20 or 30 miles and I'm not yeah. doing what you guys are up to. Um, my family, they're pretty good with that now. They've got to the point now, we, we planned something at the weekend and then my husband would just go, Kerry, what are you running when you're coming home? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll tell him whether I'm yeah, away or not, or it's, it's just what we do now. But why no, other I mean, women don't? So that's a good Sorry. way to have it really, isn't it? Because I think traditionally it's men are probably more indulged in the family, aren't they, with golf or fishing or touring with their local football club to every home game and away match etc and it just seems to be a bit more unusual for women to dare to have a hobby outside the house oh yeah fishing is a sore subject in our house <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he'll go off fishing he'll even forget to say and he'll go oh i'm sure i told you i'm going away friday and i'll see you monday and like yeah you didn't actually mention that um so we're not always very two days of fishing but there you go we're not very considerate sometimes of each other's plans, um, but it kind of works. And I suppose maybe that's why I can be selfish and I just say that's what I'm doing and everyone just has to kind of agree with it or it's going to be problems. <laughs> it works. <laughs> but why do other women don't join in? I don't know, there's always um, a, a small amount of women, even in South Downs 50, which we recently did, I think there's like 300 odd participants only 61 women i don't know why um maybe i don't want to say is it sexist i don't know but what stops them from joining or why more women don't do it they should <laughs> it's fun um it's pretty inclusive sport i've never felt out of place or odd that there's not many girls running mm. um yeah it's kind of cool beating all the guys. <laughs> because that actually well. But you sound like, yeah, you genuinely enjoy it rather than a suffering pain fest. 
No, I've, I've never really suffered in pain. Actually, that's a lie. I did at North Downs 100. Was, um, well, I was you, you ran that about a million degrees, though, didn't you? So everyone <laughs> yeah. that I think that's probably the only event I've ever looked pretty miserable. And I, was, I don't like it. I don't want yeah. to do it now. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone finished any of that and decided to go out again. <laughs> but yeah, most, most of the time, I, I, I love what I'm doing. So, yeah. No, I mean, that's a good attitude to have because I think men do probably like to show off so much about the suffering side of it. I think we probably, from our macho points, dwell too much on how horrifically bad it all is, which probably doesn't entice new people of either gender into the sport, really. <laughs> I think I've been quite, in our club, we've had quite a few ultra runners, women, that are quite inspiring, to be fair. I mean... I'm sure Jen Sankster won't mind me naming her. Mm -hmm. But when I was a new runner, she was doing some crazy distances then. And I think she came fourth at South Downs 100 before I'd even ran an ultra. Yeah. And I was just in awe. And I just thought, oh, look at this woman, similar age, two children like me. I want to do that. She looks so cool. And, um, and I think unless we're out there representing our gender be someone else's inspiration shout about your achievements and say look i've done this and and show other people other women you can do this well thank you for that you us a lot to think about if people want to track how you're getting on with uh, north downs your next one etc what's your twitter handle uh curly twig we don't know why what a weird one but yes the curly twig a lot of people ask me why i mean if you see me i've got curly hairs it's kind of obvious <laughs> It was um, it was a nickname my granddad gave me when I was little, so oh, I think it's quite cute. What a nice story to finish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much for coming on, and yeah, best of luck for North Downs and for the rest of the uh, the fifty slam. First, I think I hope they all happen, and I hope you do well. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Kerry for coming back on. It's her third stint, so other than uh, Spencer, she's the most regular guest. And hopefully she can come back on and tell us how she gets on at the rest of the 50 mile events. If any races you'd like to see featured, then drop me a message. I've just heard from the publishers that the second book is now available for pre-order on Amazon. So if you go on Amazon and search for Ducking Long Way, you should be able to pre-order the book, which is out in August. So yeah, I'd be really appreciate if everyone could put some pre-orders in, as it really does help the sales to get those numbers up early. Until next time. Game over.